News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Hour number two. Thanks a lot for letting me be a part of your day. I appreciate it. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Longtime uh, poster, blogger, writer over at hotair.com. It's been one of, uh, one of my favorite sites since it started. Uh, I think I was actually uh, doing evenings here at WBT, 9 to midnight, uh, when I think Hot Air started up. And uh, it's, it, they have a lot of uh, you know, local content, not local content, but uh, you know, website-specific generated content. You have people making commentary and that sort of thing. Uh, but also they do aggregation. So they'll pull a couple of headlines you know, from uh, you know, big stories and that sort of thing. Um, people ask, Yo, you know, what sites do you go to? And I will usually say hotair.com. It's a, it's a good site. Uh, I don't go to Drudge. I've never gone to Drudge. Well, I should say never gone to Drudge. I've been to the website. But uh, I never wanted my show to sound like a lot of other shows that relied on Drudge. Because Drudge was an aggregator, right? He would grab all of these different stories from all over the place and he would put them in. And as I understand it, he does not run the site any longer. He's... He, he, Somebody else is in charge of it. I forget who, but uh, that's my understanding of it. But I don't follow that stuff very closely. The industry stuff, I don't follow a lot of it. Um, And uh, I found other aggregation services, other websites. And so I have a very lengthy list that I go through almost every single day, uh, state stuff, local stuff, national stuff. Uh, One of the ones I use a lot is Memorandum. It is from the left, I will tell you that. So they put a lot of mainstream media uh, stories up there and they'll kind of lump them into, you know, here's the story about, you know, the queen is in declining health. And so then they'll have all of these links to all of the different stories and commentary about that story. But I, I look at that to see what the stories are and I can also see who's commenting. And if you're looking on a sto- at a story and it's about, you know, FBI leaker says this, you know, Trump is terrible. And then you just see all of the comments from websites and blogs, and they're all from the left. It's all, you know, Daily Costs, Progress NC, or whatever. It's all these lefty groups, all these lefty publications. Okay, well, now I know what the left is talking about inside their echo chamber. And it's rare that I see the stuff on the right ever reflected at memorandum.com. But I go to a bunch of other websites from the right. Hot Air, The Federalist, Red State, Town Hall, Uh, Washington Examiner, Washington Times. I go to all of these different websites, and then I can kind of see what stories are moving on the right. Okay, so that's just a little bit of my process. So I've always enjoyed reading a la pundit at hotair.com, one of the founders. And years ago, Ed Morrissey uh, 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 helped uh, take over as well. And uh, Ed Morrissey is still there. They're going to shift a little bit more into... Uh, they hired some more people. Anyway, you can go to their website and see what their plans are for, like, the upcoming midterm elections and that sort of thing. But I read Allah Pundit. His real name is Nick Cotagio, and uh, he has now left Hot Air. He went over to uh, The Dispatch, which is Jonah Goldberg, Stephen Hayes. These were never Trumper guys. And they started The Dispatch. And the first post that Allah Pundit wrote uh, is and this was open for the public. Everything else is going to be behind the paywall. But he says a better conservative media and a better politics. Okay, that's the name of his piece. And he says he is at the dispatch now, 
because too much of conservative media lies to its audience. And you can tell he's talking a little bit about some of the people at Hot Air, I assume, although the last post at Hot Air, he was, you know, very appreciative of all of the people there. He said, he, you know, it was, it was never adversarial. Everybody got along. And um, but you could tell he definitely had had his fill of the audience. He didn't want to hear from the commenters anymore. Well, all of the commenters. He did say, oh, you know, people who said, you know, you, I got something wrong or I was being stupid about something. I appreciate the honest criticism and that sort of thing. But there were too many people that would just attack him. So now I guess you're not going to get that because you're over behind a paywall. And most people don't pay uh, to troll. That's just one of those things, right? <laughs> a lot of people don't pay uh, to troll others on a website. Okay, well, yes, except me. That's No, I'm kidding. I don't even do that. Uh, so sometimes it lies by commission. Conservative media will lie by commission, right? They will actually lie, but mostly it lies through omission. And last hour, I talked about the bias in news organizations. In what is news and answering that question and picking stories, you have to make these decisions about because you can't put everything in the newscast. You can't put everything in the newspaper. So you have to make decisions about what to cover and where it goes. And when you make those decisions, your bias is reflected in them, right? So this is why I always tell people, get your news from multiple sources, but I also understand that most people don't have time for that. Most people don't have time to run through all of the, the uh, websites and the stories that I just gave you a partial list for myself, which is why I say you can just listen to me. Okay, no, I'm kidding. You should, you should listen to, you should listen to different uh, people, read different sources, become more informed on the topics that interest you. So. He goes on to explain this, and there is truth to this, but I disagree on some parts of it. But he says the foundational assumption of conservative media is that because big media is corrupt, its opponents, its antagonists in conservative media can never quite lose their moral superiority, no matter how irresponsibly they behave. It's not a coincidence that the mainstream media's most vicious critics on the right are grassroots conspiracy theorists. The election was rigged. The vaccines don't work. Well, I I thought I thought that was. Pretty obvious at this point. Uh, anyway, the FBI planted those documents at Mar-a-Lago, et cetera, et cetera. The media, remember, he's a never-Trumper. The media lies, so you're free to reject their reality and substitute your own. Believe what you like without regret. The moral high ground is yours forever. Look, I've encountered people exactly like this. Either at, you know, the, the media level or the consumer level. There are people that believe that their cause is righteous and so it doesn't matter uh, what they do. It doesn't matter that they're engaging in the way they are uh, because it's warranted because war is war, right? Like this is, and I think he actually makes this point. I think he actually says, you know, yeah, here it is. Uh, if you're not fighting dirty, you're not trying to win. War is war after all. You know, war never changes. That's the second fallout reference I have mentioned in two days. This is why I said, in the debates I had in 2016 and throughout the first term uh, or throughout President Trump's term is that the problem with hiring monsters to fight monsters is eventually you end up with just more monsters, right? I've talked with over the years, many times, Kurt Schlichter, retired Colonel, uh, and he's a columnist at town hall. I've had him on the program. uh, And he is of this mindset that like, look, We wanted this set of rules and norms. You guys blew them up, 
And so now we are engaging with you on your terrain. Like this is you, you set these rules in motion. And so we are now going to abide by your, your rules. We're going to play by your rules and you're not going to like it. And I get that. I totally get that. And what Allah Pundit is arguing along with the folks at the dispatch is that no, no, this is, they call them the ma norms, my norms, my norms. But what about the norms? But meanwhile, you know, they're very, they're very protective of the norms. Meanwhile, when the norms are shattered by folks on the left, they don't view that anymore as sufficiently or credibly dangerous. They only see things that Trump does or MAGA Republicans or whatever. They only see that as the threat. It's another example of how Trump broke people's brains. <laughs> That's why I say that you can't, they can't view anything outside of this prism which really is a narrow way to view politics and issues, I think. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Talking about conservative media and this piece by the pundit formerly known as Allah Pundit from HotAir.com who left Hot Air, went over to the dispatch. His name is Nick Cataggio. And in his first post that is not paywalled, although I guess everything else he writes will be, um, he breaks down conservative media um, in a couple different ways. But he says the uh, first group that the uh, mainstream media's most vicious critics on the right are grassroots conspiracy theorists. And he says above the grassroots tier sits another more respectable tier that eschews crankery itself, but dismisses its prevalence among the right. Wherever the base is headed, however deranged and sinister it might become, rest assured that the Democrats are worse and that you should dutifully continue to pull the lever for the GOP. There are many media critics in this tier who are astute about the excesses of the left's propaganda, but have little to say about their own side. That's another benefit of having the eternal moral high ground. You needn't worry about what's being said on a fringe right-wing podcast with millions of listeners. Whatever's being said on CNN to an audience of 250,000 is necessarily worse for the country long-term. Now, I, I disagree with that framing because I don't know, like, what podcast he's talking about. Is it Joe Rogan? I don't know. What specifically is Rogan talking about? I don't know. Is it some other podcast with millions of listeners? It, is it Steve Bannon's podcast? Who, who is it? Who's he talking about? I don't know. But I don't think you ignore fringe right-wing podcasts with millions of listeners. This is Alex Jones. I've done enough uh, topics over the years about how deplorable Alex Jones is. Save the emails. <laughs> I, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Because um, I know what his, I know, look, I know what his deal is. I know what his deal is. So it, it, he's selling supplements. That's his business. He uses the radio show to promote his line of other products, right? He's a, he's a supplement salesman masquerading as a radio host. And, you know, I know a little something about that, the, the second part of it at least. <clears throat> so I do think, though, that the, the CNN product is far more influential even if it has a smaller audience because of who the audience is. 
again, I'm not advocating that you ignore any you know fringe podcast. Depends on what they're saying. It depends on what you're interested in. One of the rules about not rules, but the advice uh, piece of advice that I got when I started this uh, was don't talk about stuff that you're not interested in because the audience is going to know that. And if I'm not interested in talking about a particular topic and I'm kind of just going through it, like you should never start off a topic like, oh, I don't really even want to talk about this, but because it's being dishonest, right? So you talk about stuff that you're interested in. And by the way, if you get to a topic that, um, that the, or you do too many topics that the audience doesn't care about, eventually I won't have an audience. I'll be off the air. That's how this goes. It's all proof of concept. You never know if you can do, I was, there's another uh, uh, axiom I was uh, told a long time ago, uh, was everybody has a talk show in them. Everybody can do one show. Give you enough time, give you three hours, everyone can do a show. I mean, it may not be great, but everybody could do a show. <laughs> and then most people can do a week. Most people could do a week. Can you do a year? Can you do five? Can you do ten? Can you do 30? You never know until you get to the 30th year. You know, there's just no way to know. So that's why I always laugh and Limbaugh would talk about this too. When, you know, it, when they would do profiles about him and all oh, the times he got fired. Yeah, it's called radio. <laughs> People get fired in radio all the time for no reason. No reason. They'll just some bean counter up the chain says, oh, we got to cut overhead. Boom, you're gone. Whatever. One ratings book comes back like, oh, I don't like that number. Boom, you're gone. Oh, I don't like the way you walk down the hall. Boom, you're gone. Like, that's how, <laughs> I don't know if that, I guess you probably could be fired for stuff like that. No, there was a guy, I worked with a guy. This was, this was years ago. They spent all this money to bring this guy from halfway, or not halfway, the entire length of the country. Came from like Seattle. Came all the way out. I'm not going to say where. Came all the way. It wasn't here and it wasn't in Asheville. But he came all the way out. And uh, they they have him training up, and they bought a computer for him, and, and that was a big deal, believe me, to actually purchase something. Uh, and they so they bought a computer, they and they put him on the air. And one of the things that they would do is they would read the school lunch menus every single morning. And so this guy's first day on the air, they're like, "Hey, let's read the school lunch menu." He picks up the lunch menu, and he says, "Yeah, let's see what the little fatherless children." Are eaten today and he was fired that was it <laughs> first show last show all in the same show there you go all right i'll get more uh get back to this piece in a minute but also a piece by michael anton at american greatness why do the election defenders require agreement this is a great question too News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's the Pete Callender Show. Fox News reporting Queen Elizabeth II has died. She was 96 years old. Britain's longest reigning monarch who served as the, quote, beloved face of her country and source of strength for seven decades. Uh, died at uh, the Balmoral Castle in Scotland. Uh, the doctor said earlier today that they were concerned for Her Majesty's health and that she was resting comfortably. Under medical supervision, um, she was preceded in death by her husband, Prince Philip, who spent more than seven decades supporting the Queen. Uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, the or Edinburgh, 
The uh, Britain, uh, Britain's longest-serving consort died in April 2021 at age 99. Elizabeth and Philip were married for more than 70 years, had four children, Prince Charles, Princess Anne, Prince Andrew, and Prince Edward. And um, to, 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 I'm just kind of skip ahead here. This is just the, obviously. So a lot of here's a little peek behind the curtain. They have these obituary pieces written long before the people die. And every now and again, somebody will inadvertently post one before it's time. You know, sometimes that happens. Um, to, to, to she appeared smiling and cheerful in public in 1926. Anyway, um. Yeah, I mean, this is a very lengthy piece here. She is survived by four children, eight grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren. Her eldest son, Charles, 73, is first in line uh, to the throne. And I saw earlier a report that uh, Meghan Markle not going, not going to visit. Which, I, don't know, I don't know why. What? All righty. Um. Back to uh, this piece by uh, former, the former, uh, the the blogger formerly known as Allah Pundit, Nick Cataggio. He says a lot of conservative, too much of conservative media defines big media by its worst episodes of ideological bias and information suppression, and then resolves to live down to that standard. When forced to choose between the truth and the cause, most right wing sites now unfailingly choose the cause to the extent that there remains any cause beyond defending the authoritarian impulses of Donald Trump and his disciples. See what I mean? It's he's, <laughs> he's a never Trumper. And so it just, it, it just oozes into like all these sentences. He sees everything through this prism, which in case you haven't noticed by now, I don't. And I'm not saying that like I'm superior, but I, I say that because there are a lot of other ways to look at things and a lot of other topics to cover. And it, it's why, and maybe this is just my contrarianism on display. I, it's why, like I said earlier, I would never use the Drudge Report as sort of my assignment desk editor that would tell me what, you know, here are the topics and that everyone in the right-wing media echo chamber is talking about. I would not do that. And, and so I just, I hear, it was during the campaign too, during 2016 and all through the Trump presidency, and I talked about this at the time when I was on air in Asheville. I said, it's hard to do a show and not have it be about Trump, but you have to, you've got to break free of that because every single day you would do all this prep and then, or I would do all this prep and then a single tweet or two and the whole thing gets blown up. Right? And now I'm talking about a single tweet. We're trying to read between the lines. What does he mean by this? And let's get a reaction. And I don't need to do that because I've got 70 bajillion other news sites that are already doing that. That's what CNN and MSNBC, MSNBC are doing, right? Well, and all of the others. I don't need to do that. I don't need to read. Because here's the other thing. I never understood this. Did you see what Donald Trump tweeted today? Uh, yeah, if I just go to his Twitter account, I'll see what he tweeted. Sure. What? But the fact that you're now doing a whole story about what he tweeted. I don't need to go to your site to read what he tweeted. I'll just go to his his account and read his tweet. And I'll make my own determination. I don't need you. You know, you're not acting as any kind of, you know, information passer alonger here. You're just <laughs> you're just like, oh my gosh, look at this. It's just the equivalent of the comment section at that point. And you never read the comment section. Okay. Many uh, have become propagandists that they the same propagandists they once undertook to expose a facet of the Trump era ethos or sorry ethos that conservatives can succeed 
only by behaving as badly as their opponents have in the most depraved moments. But here's the worst part. Many of their readers want it that way. Many do it for grubby reasons of audience capture because they fear losing the adulation of their fans and, of course, the money. Look, this is a very real thing. He's like, you can disagree with Nick. I'm still going to call him model opponent. You could disagree with him on his assessment of this stuff. You could disagree with his views on Trump and all that. But there, he is correct. There is a risk that you alienate your audience by telling them things they don't want to hear. Right? Ab- absolutely, that's the case. Why do you think? Why do you think CNN has lost audience? Right? I mean, aside from you know being just terrible content. I mean, it's the same thing all the time when you tell your audience that the walls are closing in, the walls are closing in, we're going to get Trump, we're going to get Trump, and then you don't get him. Eventually, they're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not believing this. They have, uh, they've alienated half of the country. Nobody wants to listen to them because they think that they're biased. And so you can get very you know, niche-focused and say, I'm going to super serve this one group of people. And that's fine if that's the niche you're looking to, uh, to attract. But the problem is that if you ever do anything that runs afoul of the niche, you're done. And this was a decision I had to figure out. I had to make this decision myself in 2016 when we were going over the the candidates in the presidential race. And, and I said, like, I, I I can't vote for Trump. I'm definitely not voting for Hillary Clinton. And so I voted for Gary Johnson. And I go, like, oh, you're throwing your vote away. Nah, I, I, I cast a vote. I didn't throw it away. Now, in 2020, I didn't even vote for anybody. I was so disgusted, I just didn't vote for anybody. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. You guys you guys pick. You guys decide. And in North Carolina, Trump carried it, so it didn't really matter. I voted in all the down-ballot races. But this was a real thing that I had to decide what to do when I was in 2016. And I, to- I had a discussion with my boss at the time. I said, my concern is that if I argued with people about Trump, do I lose audience? And if I lose audience, then I'm off the air. So you literally put your career at risk. And so you, but that's a decision everybody in this line of work has to make for themselves. The only way he says to get the Republican party and its enablers off the track that they're on is by proving that a different model can succeed. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I don't, we'll see. Good luck to them at the dispatch. Again, I'm not going to pay to read behind the paywall every now and again, like I'll follow them on Twitter. And if they comments, uh, if they have commentary that they post up for public consumption, I'll read their stuff. Cause I do appreciate reading it, but it's not, it's not content that I'm going to pay. Was it like, it's like $15 a month or something. I mean, I'm not doing that. Um, the other side of this though, Michael Anton, you know who this guy is? He's over at American greatness, amgreatness.com. And maybe this is one of the people that Allah Pundit is sort of attacking with this uh, with his post. But he was recently on a podcast hosted by Andrew Sullivan. You know who Andrew Sullivan is? Right. He's anti-Trump, but he's also he's like an old school liberal. So he's he's taken on uh, a lot of the wokeism mob. He got he got fired from his gig. I forget where it's like Vanity Fair or New Yorker or something. New York Times Magazine or something, whatever. He got he got fired as a gay guy who. Uh, fought wokeism and got canceled. Okay. So he goes on to this guy, Michael Anton goes on to Sullivan's podcast and he says, I was surprised by the extent to which Sullivan 
insisted that I agree to his assertion that the 2020 election was totally on the level. That is to say, I wasn't surprised that Sullivan thinks it was. I was surprised by his evident yearning to hear me say so, too, which I could not. And this, to me, is a very important point. And I think this ties to Allah Pundit's criticism as well, which is, do you even allow disagreement in your own brain? Do you even allow somebody to disagree with you? If it's good faith disagreement, which Anton, in reading this very lengthy piece, he has good faith disagreement about whether the 2020 election was, quote, on the level. A lot of his concerns I share. Absolutely, I do. So tomorrow from 9 a.m. until noon, the Firefighter Stephen Coakley Foundation is presenting flags of remembrance in honor of all those lost on 9-11-2001. The public is invited to uh, come on by to help place 2,977 flags. They're going to be placed in the shape of the Twin Towers, along with attaching photo cards of each victim in memory of all those that were lost on 9-11. Uh, there's also going to be the unveiling of a new mobile display of steel beam of a steel beam from the World Trade Center at 11 a.m. That's tomorrow, 9 a.m. till noon. And then on Sunday, September 11th at 8 a.m., the Firefighter Stephen Coakley Foundation will host a memorial at the site of the Flags of Remembrance uh, beginning at 8 a.m. And the community is welcome to visit, remember, and be a part of the tribute uh, they're also going to have the honor of hosting as a guest speaker, Dave Beamer. Dave is the father of uh, Todd Beamer uh, from Flight 93 that went down in Pennsylvania. Um, if you want more information, go to ffstephencoakley.org. And that's Stephen with a V, ffstephencoakley.org. Uh, you can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter. I believe this is going to be at Romare Bearden Park. Yeah, Romare Bearden Park uh, tomorrow and then again on. So they're going to be pl- placing the flags out, need help to do that tomorrow. But then Sunday is the uh, Memorial uh, yeah, Memorial Day. Um, do, 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 do. So uh, Michael Anton at American Greatness. He goes on to uh, uh, Andrew Sullivan's podcast. And Sullivan badgers him at length about who won the election, who won the election, why can't you just say it, it was all above board, it was all on the up and up, it was totally legit. And he finally accuses Anton of being fixated on the topic, to which Anton says, well, I was was talking about it because you asked about it, it's your show. (laughs) Um, Anton says, as far as I'm concerned, the 2020 election is well and truly over. I have moved on. This is... This is where I'm at. Anton is where I'm at. Okay. He says, or, you know, so I thought then I get, he gets a bunch of emails from friends of his and, uh, you know, Republican experts and stuff that are, they're, they're very troubled by his lack of belief. And then came pieces by Ramesh Panuru over at National Review, Jonathan Chait, uh, a lefty guy, uh, all attacking Michael Anton again. He says, to be clear. I do not actively disbelieve in the outcome of the 2020 election. I do not assert that the election was stolen. I also do not believe the election was totally fair. Belief being an affirmative mental state. Right? I don't have faith that everything was above board. I have a lot of outstanding questions. This is me saying this, Pete. 
I say only that I don't know. I haven't been convinced either way, Anton says. One side tried to convince me and failed to, at least so far. The other side has made no such attempt, but instead mostly shouts in my face that I must believe. And that is being, that's aggravating and insulting and it is less effective. <laughs> right, so it's just not working. The 2020 election came down to a narrower margin than the 2016 contest, right? 2020 was closer than 2016, fewer than 43,000 votes rather than the 77,000 votes in just three states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. That's where the election was decided, those three states, right? And it was a smaller margin than the four, the, the four years prior. And in those states, you had problems, shutdowns, right, counting shutdowns, found ballots, went overwhelmingly or exclusively to one candidate, Biden, sworn affidavits alleging the backdating of ballots, historically low rejection rates of absentee ballots, right? Mail-in absentee ballots appearing without creases in them. What's the explanation for that? Because they should have been folded and stuffed in an envelope. No crease means never folded. How did it get there? Also, the refusal to conduct signature audits. We're not even going to look at the signature, that kind of stuff. There are a lot of outstanding questions. So it's important, apparently, to people like Andrew Sullivan, but also others like Allah Pundit, right, that you personally believe that everything that happened was on the up and up. It was all above board. But if, if he wants me to believe that, he might try using his platform to say, get serious local, state, and federal investigations of all of these anomalies and others that aren't mentioned in the piece, those investigations would then have to be reported fairly and credibly by a media that actually wants to disseminate the truth and not cover for state and local corruption or the Biden administration. Of course, that's not going to happen. They insist there's only one narrative. Biden won, full stop. There's no irregularities. Anyone who says otherwise is a threat to our democracy. (laughs) 